This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a robbery detail. A gang of truck hijackers has been working in your city. They've stolen 14 loaded trucks. They've kidnapped and beaten one of the drivers. There's no clue to their identity. Your job? Get them. It was Wednesday, June 4th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Chief of Detective Stad Brown. My name's Friday. We were on our way out from the office, and it was 9.47 a.m. when we got to the county hospital. Ward 419. Hi. Mr. Gilmore? Yeah. I know you guys. No, sir. We're police officers. This is my partner, Frank Smith. My name's Friday. I do, sir. Hello. Uh, a couple of stools over there. Drag them up. Sit down. I'll get them. Here you go. Thanks. How do you feel, Mr. Gilmore? Rough. Real rough. Feel like I've ridden 50 miles in the back of a ready-mixed cement truck. Weren't for the pills they'd be giving me, I think I'd go off my rocker. Mm-hmm. You want to tell us what happened? Yeah, as much as I can remember. Only goes so far, then there's a room full of black. If you'll tell us what you can, please. Yeah. Yesterday, that's when it was. Yes, sir. Yesterday morning. I checked in for work. Had a load I was going to take over to Phoenix. Supposed to shop off about 10, 10, 15. Did you know what you were carrying? Yeah. I saw the way, Bill. Some of the stuff they were loading it. Used furniture. Didn't make any difference to me. They load the truck and I'll drive it. Uh-huh. I went across the street. Little coffee place over there. Got my vacuum bottle filled and came back. By that time, they had the truck loaded. I signed the way bill in the office and went out and got into the truck. The two guys were waiting for me. They were in the cab of the truck, huh? Yeah. Sitting there, kind of scrunched down so you couldn't even see them from the outside. Yes, sir. As soon as I opened the door, one of them had a gun pointed at me. Told me to get into the truck like there was nothing wrong. Just start the motor and get the truck away from me. Did they get out of the truck at that time? No. No, they were waiting for me when I got there. They, they told me to drive away, and I did. Wasn't going to mess around with them having a gun. Yeah, go ahead. And we drove about three blocks, and they told me to pull into an alley just off of Santa Fe. Santa Fe and what, do you remember? Uh, by Porter Street, between Porter and Enterprise. I see. Like to go ahead? Then they told me to pull into the alley, and, and when I did, they made me get out of the truck. Took me around back and broke the seal and told me to get inside. And that's what you did? Officer, if they'd have told me to jump off the city hall, I'd have gone ahead and done it with that gun pointed at me. Now I'm a coward. Fell away, he's a gun around, and I'm going to do it just like he tells me. Yes, sir. Those guys were mean, you could tell. How's that? Oh, I'm a kind of a student of phrenology. I could tell about those fellas real plain. Student of what? Phrenology. You know, bumps on the head. Uh, they all mean something. Of course, I didn't get a chance to make a good examination of these guys, but I could see it. Real criminal heads. Bumps told me so. One fellow had a head that was one of the worst I'd ever seen. Yes, sir. His means to his mother, I could tell. Had a bump uh, right here. Here, you see? Huh. Yeah. His means to his mother. Yes, sir. Well, what happened after they tied you up? Just left me there. I see. You want to go on? Yeah. They must have drove for about 20 minutes when they stopped. Pulled in some sort of a driveway. I figure that. Well, right after they stopped, they made a half U-turn, then backed up. Backed up this ramp. Steep. Then they stopped and took me out of the truck. Blindfolded me and made me get out of the truck. Now, this place where they stopped, that's where they unloaded the furniture, did they? Yeah. Uh, they must have taken it out of there. I heard them thumping around in the truck. Sounded like they were unloading it. Well, now, what'd they do after they got all the furniture out? Put me back in. Drove out to where you found the truck. After the, they both climbed into the back. Beat me up. Don't remember much after that. Mm-hmm. Both of them worked you over, huh? Yeah. Both of them got in their licks. Especially the one who was mean to his mother. He was vicious. He was mean. They kept hitting me with their fists until I just passed out. Don't remember anything after that until I came to in the back of the truck. That's when I called the cops and the guys in uniform came out. I guess they're the ones who called you. Yes, sir. 
Now, is there any way that you might be able to tell us where they took you? You mean when they unloaded the furniture? Yes, sir. Well, I think maybe I got an idea. I tried to figure out how fast they was driving. And after you've been a driver for a while, you get to know. I'd say they were going about 20 miles an hour. We were still in town. My own guess is that they went out Alameda. Must have gone out Santa Fe and then turned on to Alameda. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing kids yelling. That'd probably be Santa Fe High School. Yeah. I guess we went out Alameda to maybe 43rd or 44th and they turned right. Kind of hard to figure it then. The truck got tied up in traffic. It was hard to tell if they were stopping for that or they're just at a light. You know? uh-huh. But I'd say that they were out to about Avalon. Yeah. Maybe they went up to San Pedro. I don't think so. I'd say Avalon. Then they turned left and headed for Hawthorne. I'm not sure how far they went, but I'd figure maybe around Rosecrans, and then they turned a couple more times, and they stopped and drove up that steep ramp. Mm-hmm. Now you figure they ended up around Rosecrans and Avalon. Huh? Yeah, yeah. guess that's not much help, though, huh? Well, it gives us an idea where to start looking. Well, a couple other things that might help you. What's that? Well, it seems that when we started to back up the ramp, I heard a bump, like they backed into a car. They didn't hit it hard, but I bet they did hit a car. Yeah. After that, they pulled the truck forward and stopped and backed up again. This time, they scraped into the side of a house. I could feel it run along the side of the truck. It sounded like they might have torn up some of the wood on the house. Yeah. Will that help any? Yeah, sir. We'll have our crime lab check the truck and see if they can come up with anything. Sure hope you can. Oh, you talked to my boss yet? No, sir, but he's been notified, we understand. I bet he's plenty sore about it. Well, we wouldn't know about that, but he should understand that it wasn't your fault. He should, but he won't. I know. That right? Yeah. He doesn't understand anything that doesn't go on his way. Spotted a mile off. What's that, sir? His head. All kinds of bumps. a.m. We continued to question the victim, Russell Gilmore. He gave us descriptions of the two men who kidnapped him. He also told us that at one time he heard one of the men call the other by the name Leo. Further, he told us that when the two bandits had taken him from the truck, they'd placed him in a garage. He was able to feel the wall, and he said that he was sure it was a plaster wall, and as much as he could feel the studs and the wire holding the plaster. He said that at one time he heard a woman come out of a house and say something to the thieves while they unloaded the truck. He told us that the garage wasn't very large because there was no echo on the sounds that were made in the building. We called the office and got out a supplementary broadcast on the thieves carrying their description. 10.40 a.m. Frank and I left the county hospital and drove over to Central Station. We went up to the crime lab and talked to Ray Pinker. On the right rear fender, we found evidence that the truck had hit a car. Lifted some paint chips. Got them here. Uh-huh. Looks like a blue car, huh? Yeah. I checked the paint with a ditch of production color book. Here, I'll show you. Got all the paints cataloged by color. Uh-huh. Here. This is the one. Yeah, but Ray, there are a lot of blues here. How can you be sure this is it? Well, here. You see, they got a color patch on each page in the book, a hole in the patch. Oh, this little hole here, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, we just put this chip we lifted from the truck in the hole. I'll lay it down. Get this lamp. There. Color matches. Get them the same light, and you can see they're the same paint. Huh. Look at that, Joe. Same. Yeah, I see. Well, what do we got out of it, Ray? The car the truck hit was a 1953 Hudson Jet. It was a single-tone car. You know, the top color matches the body color. Yeah. They only use this on one-color cars unless you got a special order. Mm-hmm. Did you find any house paint on the side of the truck? Ray? Yeah. Over here. Might be able to do a little better on that for you. Mm-hmm. House the truck ran into is about 36 years old. Might be a little more than that, but it's right around there. How could you come up with that? Been painted 18 times. Figure once every two years, you come out with 36. Yeah, but how do we know it's been painted every two years? We don't, Frank, just guessing. But the layers of paint are pretty even. Might indicate they did it regularly. You know, didn't let the paint go too far before they redid it. Oh, yeah. Here are the chips of the house paint. Here, I'll put one of them under the microscope. Here, take a look, Joe. Okay. You see okay? I haven't got a... I'm adjusting yeah. I see what you mean. I noticed the first coat was a cream white. Mm-hmm. And they stuck pretty much to that for the next half dozen paint jobs. Then they changed to a barn red. Then to a green, then back to cream white. And that goes on for three layers, and then to the blue that's on it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Ray, if we find the house, can you tell us if it's the same one? It shouldn't be too hard. 
Aren't many of them around. Well, how many? Well, 18 coats would be 18 factorial. That's multiplying 18 times 17, times 16, times 15, so on to times 1. I got it worked out for you. I hope you have. I'm Here. not with you at all. Here. Well, look. Works out to 1 in 6 quadrillion, 402 trillion, 373 billion, 705 million, 728,000 chances of finding its twin. Oh. Uh, that's pretty long odds. Well, if every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth owned 10 houses apiece, there wouldn't be another one like it. a.m. We put in a call to Leighton Prince. Harlan Stahl told us that his crew had gone over the truck thoroughly, but had failed to come up with anything. We contacted the stats office and asked them to make a run on the M.O. that the thieves had used. They told us that the results would be ready for us late in the afternoon. We contacted hit-and-run detail, but there'd been no reports that could have been the car that the truck had hit. We went to the office and got a large map of the city, then we drove out to the county hospital to talk to the victim again. We asked him to trace his movements while he'd been held prisoner in the back of the truck. He drew a line down Santa Fe Avenue, up to Alameda, then over to Avalon Boulevard on 43rd Street. From there, he traced the streets down to Rosecrans Avenue. He drew a circle on the map centered on the intersection of Rosecrans Avenue and Avalon Boulevard. He told us that we'd find the house we were looking for inside the circle. Before we left him, we made arrangements for the mugshots to be taken to the hospital for him to check for a possible identification of the suspects. 12.40 p.m., we contacted Records and Identification Division and asked them if they'd had any luck on running the name Leo. We were told that they had three possibles for us. The addresses on the packages were not in the area that had been circled by the victim, Russell Gilmore. We got in touch with Lieutenant Jack Smyers and filled him in on the developments. He called Metro Division and made arrangements for three additional teams of men to work with us in a search of the streets within the circle drawn by the victim. He also contacted the divisional commanders and asked for their cooperation. The men were instructed to find a residence with a steep driveway leading to a detached garage. The house would have a wooden porch on the right side of the house as it faced the street. It would be damaged to the wood on the porch. Also, there was a possibility that a Hudson automobile would be parked either in the driveway or on the street right next to it. The car would have some damage done to it. 5.15 p.m. Frank and I got back to the office from the search area. Man, I'm sure tired. Oh, I'm with you. A lot of streets out there. Yeah, a lot of houses on the streets. I wonder how the guys from Metro are doing. I don't know. I'll get it. Robbery, Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait just a minute. Let me get there. Okay. Hang on to it. We'll be right out. Right. Well, the Metro boys did some good. Huh? The house. They found it. The address given us on the phone was 1486 Cedar Street down in Compton. It took us 35 minutes to get out there from the city hall. The officers from Metro Division Reserve stood by until we got there. We found the house located on Cedar between Dwight Street and Tawada Avenue. It was a one-story frame building with a stucco garage in the rear of the lot. On the left front side of the house was a wooden porch which had been scraped by some large object. Several of the pickets in the railing were broken. On the street in front of the house next door, we found a 1953 Hudson jet painted a light blue. There was a dent in the left rear fence. We couldn't tell for certain, but the color of the car and the color of the paint on the porch seemed to match the chips that we'd seen in the crime lab. While the officers from Metro covered the rear of the building, Frank and I rang the front doorbell. There was no answer. We checked the garage, but we found nothing that would tie the house owners in with the robbery kidnapping. The interior walls of the garage were rough wooden studs. Between them, we could see chicken wire embedded in plaster. The physical description of the house, the ramp leading to the garage, the garage itself, and the car parked on the street matched in every detail the picture that we'd been given by the victim. 6.10 p.m. We got the name Conrad Lewis from the mailbox in front of the house, and while the officers from Metro checked it with our office, Frank and I went next door to talk with the neighbors. Yeah? wonder if we could talk to you, ma'am. Sure. Who are you? Well, it might be better if we got in off the porch. You ain't coming in here unless I know who and what you are. The police officers. Oh? Yes, ma'am. Here's our identification. Oh, yeah. Well, come on in. Thank you, ma'am. I'm Myrtle Richards. This is my partner, Sergeant Friday. I'm Frank Smith. Oh, how do you do? How are you, ma'am? You just sit down. I'll turn off the television. Thank you. Comedy. I've seen it before a couple of times. I always laugh at them again, though. They're funny. Yes, ma'am. It's a great boon to the people, television. This one's only 12-inch, but I think maybe next year I'll get a bigger one, maybe even color. They got it now, you know. It's true color. It's beautiful. Yes, ma'am. Of course, I ain't actually seen it myself. I just read about it, you know. Beautiful. 
Oh, I'm a great fan. I got it on all day. Right from the early show to the late, late show. I understand next week one of them stations is going to start an early, early show. Now, that'll be nice, won't it? Yes, ma'am, sure. I wonder if we could ask you a few questions. My, certainly. You just go right ahead. That car out front, does that belong to you? The blue one? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's mine. I just got it a few months ago. That's what you hear about, huh? I beg your pardon? About how somebody hit my car. Big dent. Isn't that what you're here for? No, not exactly. Do you know who hit your car? No. I wish I did. If I knew, I'd sue him. Imagine hitting a car that's parked right at the curb and not leaving a note or something to say who did it. The person that ran into me must be insured. Wouldn't cost him nothing. All he had to do was leave a card. Yes, ma'am. When was the automobile hit? Yesterday know? morning. I walked down to the market to do some shopping and get some things for dinner. Pretzels, potato chips, things to eat while I watched the TV. When I got back, the dent was there. Did it while I was gone. Did it and didn't even leave a card. Yes, ma'am. Could you tell us who lives next door to you, please? Which side? The left side over there. Well, that's Lewis's house. Why are you asking about them? How long have they lived there, do you know? Yeah, I guess it's been about ten years. They moved in right after Conrad. That's Mr. Lewis, right after he opened up the new store. What line of business is he in? Well, he's got some kind of a shipping business. Has deals with different stores all over the state. Did you see Mr. Lewis yesterday? Yes. Matter of fact, I did. He come over like usual at 5.30. He usually come over at that time, does he? Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, yeah. You see, there's a TV show he likes to see. I watch it, but his wife don't care for it. She watches something else. So Conrad comes over here. He was here last night. You see him during the day at all? No, I didn't. You know where they are tonight? I'm not sure, but I think they went to the movies. Seems to me Mrs. Lewis said that her and Conrad was going to a show over in town. That's probably for us. I'll get it. I imagine so. Isn't anybody come calling on me this time of night? Oh, it's Henderson, Joe. I'll be right back. Right. Have you noticed any trucks in the neighborhood lately, Mrs. Richards? Oh, well, I'll have to think about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. You don't mean like the garbage you can truck, do you? No, ma'am. Large moving vans. I see the others quite a bit. Yeah. Well, now, let me see. Well, there were some people who just moved into a new house down the street. That was about a month ago. That didn't help? Well, thank you, Mrs. Richards. Joe, see you in a minute. Excuse me, please, Ms. Richards. Yeah, you go right ahead. Yeah. Anderson ran the name Conrad Lewis through the files. Mm-hmm. He's been convicted for armed robbery. The record showed that Conrad Lewis had been arrested for suspicion of armed robbery ten years before. He'd been brought to trial, convicted, and sent to San Quentin. He'd served six years, and then he'd been released. He was not on parole at the time. Frank and I parked our car down the street from Lewis's house, and we waited for him to return. At 10.57 p.m., we saw a dark-colored Lincoln sedan turn onto the street and swing into the driveway of the Lewis residence. A man and a woman got out of the car and entered the house. Frank and I waited a few minutes, and then we walked up to the front door and rang the bell. Yeah? You Conrad Lewis? Yeah, that's right. Who are you? Police officers. like to talk to you. Sure. Come on in. What's this all about? Something wrong? Do you own a truck? Hmm? A truck. Do you own one? No. You mind telling me what this is all about? Can you account for your time since Monday night? Why? Can you? Look, I don't know what this is all about, and I'm not going to tell you a thing until you let me know what you want. Now, what do you want? The answers to those two questions. Twelve fifteen a.m. It had been only a little over 48 hours since Russell Gilmore had been kidnapped and beaten, and we had a suspect in custody. However, Lewis refused to admit any complicity in the crime. We talked to him for several hours, but he told us nothing. He admitted that he'd been arrested before and that he'd served time in San Quentin. However, he stuck to his statement that since his release, he'd done his best to live by the law. With the evidence at hand, he was booked at the main jail on a charge of suspicion of violation of Section 211 PC. We obtained the keys to his place of business, and Frank and I went out to check it. It was a large wholesale store selling used furniture. A search of the premises failed to turn up any of the stolen merchandise. While Frank went through the stock rooms, I checked the business ledgers. Nothing back there either, Joe. How'd you do? Well, according to these, Lewis does a big shipping business. That's what the woman next door told us. Yeah. He's been making shipments up to Oakland regular. Books tell what they were? Yeah, right here. He's been sending large lots of used stuff to a place on MacArthur Boulevard. There's a whole list of it here. Tables, living room sets, TV sets. Better get in touch with the police up there and have them check this place out, huh? Yeah. Without that stolen property, we're not going to have a very good case against them. You got the address of the place up north? Yeah. Let's go back to the office and get a call in. Right. Sure hope they come up with the answers. Well, if they don't, we might be in trouble. Yeah? The DA's office is liable to throw the whole thing out. 
Thursday, June 5th, 8.20 a.m. We put in a call to Captain of Inspectors Tony Bolger in Oakland and asked him to check on the recipient of the furniture shipment from Lewis. We also gave him as detailed a description of the stolen merchandise as we were able to obtain. In the meantime, Lewis had been admitted to bail and was released. Thursday, 11.15 p.m., Frank and I got back to the office from checking a lead on one of the suspects who'd driven the truck. I got it. Robbery Friday. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. Tony Bolger from Oakland. Let's hope we called it. Yeah. Yeah, Tony. Yeah? Well, what'd he say? Well, that's the way it looked from here. What? Yeah, right. Okay, thank you. How about it? When you talk to the man who bought the stuff, he's clean. How about the merchandise itself? It's all stolen. p.m., we got in touch with Lieutenant Smyers and filled him in on the new developments. After we talked to him, we contacted officers Max Herman and Ed Benson and made arrangements to meet them at the house on Cedar Street. It took us less than half an hour to get out to Compton. The other officers were there by the time we arrived. While they covered the back door, Frank and I went up to the front. You think he knows it's us? I don't know. Try it again. The car's in the driveway. We know he's in there. Wait a minute. Sounds like somebody's coming now. Yeah? What are you doing out here? Aren't you guys ever going to get over my back? we come in and talk? I got a choice? No, you haven't. Well, then come on in. You want to go through the house again? That won't be necessary. Yeah. Well, I'm glad of that. What's it about this time? Same as before. Maybe you better spell it for me. We can go that route if that's the way you want it. Go ahead. I like fairy tales. All right. We got a report from a victim who was robbed and kidnapped. He was able to give us a description of this house, of your garage, and of the whole setup. You've been on a spike again. You're seeing things. We took a sample of the paint from your front porch. It matches paint found on a truck that was hijacked. A lot of houses in L.A. Not painted like this one. You think you're going to send me to the joint with a batch of paint? It's going to help. Look, cop, you know I've been the rounds. I've seen enough trouble to know it's rough to get a conviction with circumstantial evidence. That's all you've got with me. Nothing more. Now, why don't you go home and I'll just forget you were here tonight. We got the plant. What? We got the plant. They moved in on it. The man you sold the stolen furniture to is willing to test You know, we got your code. Now, why not cop out? That's the way it hangs, huh? That's the way. All right, I'll get my coat and go just with Just point you. it out. We'll get it for you. In the closet. Never mind. You didn't make it a point of help. Outside. He's in his car. Yeah, come on. Heading down toward Rosecrans. Better hit the siren. Right. He's turning on the Rosecrans. Take a left. I got him. See him? Wait a minute. Yeah, up ahead there. Try a shot? Better not. Too many people around. Can't you close in on him? I think we're pulling up. Making a turn. Yeah. Stay with him. Hang on. It's a dead end, Frank. Yeah. He's in trouble, Joe. Come on. Well, let's get him out of there. Yeah. Hey, that door is stuck. Wait a minute, I'll give you a hand. There. Can you get him? You better call an ambulance. The motor's in his lap. He's still alive? It looks like it. Can you help me here? Yeah, let me get in there. All right. Come on. Let's put him down here. Yeah. All right, take it easy, Lewis. I'll call the ambulance. Right. Take it easy, Lewis. We've sent for a doctor. I didn't see the sign. I didn't know the street didn't go through. Lousy break. Lousy break. I'd have made it if I stayed off the street. It never got me if I stayed off the street. I just turned the car and... All of a sudden, I was on a dead end. Afraid you're wrong there, mister. Huh? You've been there a long time. Conrad Austin Lewis and his confederates were apprehended and brought to trial on 11 counts of grand theft auto and one count of kidnapping. They were found guilty and sentenced as prescribed by law. Grand theft auto is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for a period of not less than one nor more than 10 years. Kidnapping is punishable by imprisonment for a term of from 1 to 25 years in the state penitentiary. Dragnet is a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service.
Just Heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Jack Prussian, Olin Soule, Sammy Ogg. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. Watch an entirely new Dragnet case history each week on your local NBC television station. Please check your newspaper for the day and time. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet transcribed from Los Angeles. Have you tried new cork tip Fatima? It's the smooth smoke with Fatima tips of perfect cork. King size for longer filtering and Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. Fatima is made and guaranteed by Liggett and Myers Tobacco Company. Try Fatima today. Hear Merrill Muller and the news next on the NBC Radio Network. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a burglary detail. In the past two months, a thief has broken into 18 markets. There's no lead to his whereabouts, no clue to his identity. Your job, get him. It was Monday, December 14th. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of burglary detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Bernard. My name's Friday. We were on our way out of the office, and it was 8.05 a.m. when we got to Georgia Street Juvenile Bureau. Sergeant Lindsay Simmons' office. Yeah? Well, did you give it to him? Uh-huh. Yeah. What'd he say? Yeah. <laughs> When'd he come back? Uh-huh. Well, did he have it for you? Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll teach you not to go that route anymore. All right, Patrick. Tell the sergeant to call me when he gets back. Right. Oh, hi, Friday Smith. Oh, hi, Lindsay. Morning, Sergeant. Just talking to Gene Patrick over at Highland Park. You know him? Yeah, I met him a couple of times. Picked up a youngster a couple of days ago on suspicion of burglary. Brought him into the office and Patrick talked to him. Yeah. Well, he finally bought it that the kid didn't have anything to do with the theft, so he told him to go home. Uh-huh. Kid told Gene he didn't have the money to get home, so Gene gave him 20 cents. Kid swore he'd come in and pay it back. Did he? Yeah, he came in this morning, gave Patrick two dimes. Told him thanks for believing the story. Mm-hmm. Then Patrick got the kicker. Kid really did break into a house last night to get the money. Well, what's Patrick got to say about that? <laughs> Says the kid's honest in a sort of way. He did pay him back. Where's the youngster now? Got him over Highland Park Juvenile. I better call Gene. Maybe I can give him a hand. I got a couple of streetcar tokens I won't be using. Might like to have them. Huh? I'll hold it. If I was you, I don't think I'd bring it up to him for a couple of days. Well, what can I do for you two? Well, Lindsay, we've been working on a string of burglaries. You maybe got the word on them. I don't think so. What's the story? Bunch of store burglaries. Papers that tagged them. The milk bottle job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it seems Hartgrove was telling me something about them the other day. And where'd we come in? Well, the way the jobs look, we've been thinking they maybe belong in your department instead of ours. How you figure that? First off, the milk thing. What do you mean? Every job he's pulled, we found an empty milk bottle on the counter. Okay, what's that prove? Well, milk and kids go together. Sure, so do milk and ulcers. 
Maybe a thief's got the bullhars when he gets into the store. No, Lindsay, there's another thing. The way he prowls the places, all he takes is petty cash. Just a couple of bucks outside. Candy, cigarettes, nothing big. Some of the places he's gone into, you could open the safe with a pocket knife. And he hasn't even made a move toward him. Maybe he's a kleptomaniac. Got a lot of them on the books. Maybe that's the way he gets his kicks. Oh, that's a nice try, Lindsay. If you know anybody that can climb through a 14 by 10 inch hole, you trot him up and we'll talk to him. Okay, I haven't got the names on my desk, but you take a trip to Santa Anita, you'll meet a lot of them. Jockeys. You guys know we'll go along with you on this thing. Anything we can do, but until we're sure that there's a juvenile involved, there's nothing we can do. Anything turns up, we'll be sure to turn it over to you. Now, look, we're not trying to palm this thing off on you, Lindsay. We've had the stats office make so many runs on small adults that the cards are wearing out. It just seems that none of the leads we've been chasing come out anywhere. We figured that maybe you could come up with some answers for us. Well, it's a new one on me, Joe, this milk bet. I've heard of a couple of thieves that went for it, but I can't name you a juvenile offhand. I'll pass the word around the day watch, see what they can come up with. I'll leave a note for Hartgrove. He can pass it on the night watch. Well, I appreciate anything you can do. No trouble. Been running you ragged on this, huh? It's pretty rough. Just that we can't seem to be able to come up with anything that adds. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Georgia Street Juvenile, Sergeant Simmons. Yeah. Yeah, they're here. Which one? Okay, hang on. For you, Joe, your office. Thank you. Friday talking. Yeah. Right away. What's the address? Uh-huh, yeah. No, oh, I got it. We'll leave right away. Who? Yeah, call him. Thanks. Well, come on, let's go. The milk bottle kitty hit again. The call had come from Lieutenant Ginder in burglary. He told us that he'd just gotten a call from a storekeeper named Marty Darabertis. The man had called to report a burglary at his store at the corner of Jackson and Broadway Streets. Lieutenant Ginder told us that the crime lab had been notified and had dispatched a crew to investigate the premises for physical evidence. Frank and I left Georgia Street Juvenile, and we drove over to Figueroa, then we turned over onto Broadway. The store that had been broken into was a small Italian delicatessen on the southeast corner. By the time we got there, the crime lab crew had already arrived and was winding up their investigation. We walked into the place, and we met with Ray Pinker. Hi, Joe. Frank. Ray. Hi, Ray. How's it going? The usual thing. Bottle of milk on the counter. You want to check it over? Yeah. Come on back here. Chief made his entrance back here at the rear of the store. There it is. Broke out the window pane. Yeah, not very big, huh? Yeah, measures nine and a half by twelve and three quarters. Huh. No alarm on the window, huh? Yeah, you can see the wires here. Take a look. Oh, yeah. How come the alarm didn't go off? I talked to the owner. He said he's had trouble with the alarm system the last couple of weeks. Called the company and asked him to fix it. Mm-hmm. He thought it was okay. Guess there's something wrong someplace. Didn't work last night. What kind of alarm was it, Ray? Outside on the building. You know the kind. Yeah. What did he take this time, Ray? Usual run of stuff. According to the owner, there are about four cartons of cigarettes missing, several boxes of candy. Can't be absolutely sure. So he's got to check his stock. Be better if you talk to him on that. Yeah, we will. We'll catch him later. Want to wait a minute? I'll check and see how the boys are doing on the prints. Have him check the counter in the milk bottle. Fine, thanks, Ray. Be right back. Bye. I don't wonder when we're going to blow the whistle on this guy. I don't know. Can't do it fast enough for me. Well, I'm with you. Hey, Joe. Hmm? Look at this. You know, I'd like to get a couple of those before we leave. What are you talking about? Salami, Joe. Those right there, the hard Italian kind. Mm-hmm. See, right there? Yeah. I remember last summer I was up in San Francisco. Yeah, I remember. Went up there to pick up a prisoner. Remember, you were collecting days off. Yeah, I recall. I had a hundred of them coming. Yeah, <laughs> pretty funny. Anyway, I met Dan Shelley up there. You mean the Irish tenor? Yeah, he and I went down to Cookie's Bar for lunch. Cookie had some of this salami. Sliced it like paper. You could almost read through it. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. I know, Joe. Anyway, Cookie sliced up a bunch of it, served it with cold cracked crab. Boy, I never tasted anything so good in my life. Don't you ever read the newspaper through sliced salami? Yeah? Well, I never have. Have you? All the time. Just the funnies. Well, anyway, Faye's tried to find them for me. Salami like this. Brought home all kind of things, but she's never found the right kind. You know, they'd be hard enough to pound tax with them. She got them home. Boy, never forget old Cookie and that spread. <laughs> well, if you can get your mind off food for a minute, and I know that'll be tough, let's get on with this thing, Joe. Yeah. Sure got to buy some of these before we leave. <laughs> Just like Cookie had. Yeah. Just finished with powder, Joe. Yeah. Nothing. Whoever it was drank the milk, he took the bottle out of the refrigeration compartment. Bottle sweated, and there isn't a print on it we can lift. Yeah, too bad. None of many places, huh? No, yeah, we've gone over the place from top to bottom. Till there, we can't find them. Well, that's not much help, is it? Came up with one thing. Maybe you can make something out of it. What's that? Outside the window in the back parking lot. Came up with an open package of cigarettes. Don't know if it belonged to the thief. Anything on it? No. Fog last night ruined any prints that were on it. Boys have got it if you want it. Yeah. Well, we take a look at it. Looks like everything's against us, huh? Another blank. Don't envy you guys trying to break this one. Most of the time there's a leak someplace. Somewhere along the line, the guy's going to make a mistake and not cover something. Yeah, we've been saying that for weeks. 
This is either the smartest thief I've ever seen or the luckiest. What's this make for him? Number 19. A lot of chances to take for nothing. He's not getting anything out of the jobs. Maybe he isn't, but we are. What? Headaches. 9.38 a.m. We talked to the victim. He told us that as near as he could figure, there was approximately $4 stolen from the store. He went on to say that he'd ascertained that five cartons of cigarettes and several boxes of candy bars were taken. He was unable to tell us if any other merchandise was taken until he'd made a complete inventory. He went on to tell us that there was over $600 in the safe, but that as far as he could tell, there'd been no attempt to break into it. We made a canvas of the neighborhood and talked with the neighbors. None of them recalled having seen any suspicious people in the neighborhood the night before. None of them had seen any suspicious automobiles in the area. The one thing that was apparent was that the thief was working in a definite pattern. He worked only on Friday and Saturday night, always between 8 p.m. and 12 midnight. Frank and I met with Captain Bernard, and it was decided that we would maintain a rolling stakeout in the area in which the suspect operated. Four other cars from Metro Reserves were assigned to work with us. For the next five nights, we worked without result. It was slow and tedious, but considering the lack of information on the thief, it was the only way we had left. We had to be on or near the scene when the thief struck again. Saturday night, December 19th, Frank and I met and drove out to the area. The streets were crowded with early Christmas shoppers. I'll sure be glad when it's over. Why? What's the matter? How many rooms in your apartment, Joe? Three. You know that. You've been there. Yeah. No, that won't be enough room. What are you talking about? Faye. What's Faye got to do with this? Hack, Joe. Real hack. Why? What's the matter? I got up this morning. I felt great. Faye's got breakfast on the table. All nice. Couple eggs, little pig sausages. Nice, you know. Yeah. I come down to the table, she's got the food on, and I hit her with it. What, the food? No, Joe, I hit her with what I'm about to tell her. I tell her I'm going to have to work tonight. Mm-hmm. You worked every night this week. What's wrong with that? Well, that's the way I figure it, so I got a way out. You have, huh? Mm-hmm. Today is Faye's birthday. Well, you didn't tell me. It's not good to tell people, Joe. Oh, it isn't? No. Faye's over 30. Yeah, I kind of figured that. Don't you get it? <laughs> I'm sorry, pal. You left me a couple of blocks back on this one. Look, Faye's... I may never catch up. Faye's over 30, Joe. She's getting to the point where she's taken off years, see? How can you give a person a, a last birthday present? Yeah. I'll tell you about it. You're going to give her a present. Only now instead of 30, she's 29. You understand? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, no. But as long as you do, it's perfectly all right with me. Yeah. What about this morning? Well, I told her I was going to have to go to work. I got this present for her. Brand new deep fat fryer. Real good. What? All wrapped up. Deep fat fryer. All wrapped up with ribbon. Beautiful. Shiny. Beautiful. So you gave it to her. Did it do any good? Not a pound. You know what she does with it? Well, at this point, I wouldn't even want to guess. I'm serious, Joe. This may mean the end of my home. Go ahead. She doesn't even open it. Just puts it in the closet on the back porch. Doesn't even pull the paper apart to peek at what's in it. Real mad, Joe. She may not let me back in the house tonight. Well, you can apologize when you get home. I don't know, Joe. Faye's pretty sore. Didn't even open the present. Not Wait a even minute. a peek, huh? Listen. Yeah, tell where it's coming from? Yeah, sounds like up on 7th. Come on. Yeah, right here. Pull up. Come on. I'll take the front. All right. Hold it up there. Police officers, stop or I'll shoot. Frank, he's coming around your way. Okay. Take it easy. Go ahead and shoot. Come on and kill me. Go ahead and shoot me. It doesn't matter anymore. Go Everything on. all right? Yeah. Just a kid, Joe. Oh, thanks. What are you doing in the store, son? What do you think I'm doing? He asked you a question, son. Pretty stupid. What do you think I was doing? How many stores you broken into, son? Figure it out for yourself. Look, what do you got a chip on your shoulder You're for? You're big guys. Don't give me a lot of conversation. Do what you want to do. All right, boy, you call it. Come on. Eleven fifty p.m. We called the office and told them that we had a subject in custody and that we were taking him to Georgia Street Juvenile Bureau. We put the boy in our car and we waited until a radio car arrived. We asked the officers to notify the owner of the store and stand by until he got there. We also asked if they make a four fifty nine report. Eleven fifty five p.m. We started to take the youngster to the juvenile bureau. What's your name, son? What difference does it make? Acting like that isn't going to help you. You guys pick me up, remember? You worry about it. I got nothing to be afraid oh, of. Oh, yes, you have, boy. You could have been shot back there. Maybe you should have pulled the trigger. Look, son, what's the matter with you? Why are you acting like this? 
You just got real lucky back here. That's the only reason you're alive now. It was dark in there. As far as I could tell, you were an adult. You didn't stop when I told you to. Now, according to the book, I could have shot you. You know that, don't you? Killing the kid. That'll make you a big man. No, I'm just bringing it up to prove a point. Save it. Now, look, son. I'm going to tell you something. When you break into a place at night, you're not a kid anymore. You're asking for trouble. You've got both your pockets full of it. The way you work tonight makes us think you're mixed up in a lot more thefts than just tonight. That right? You ever been arrested before? No. Never been in trouble with the law, huh? Sure. I'm a real criminal. I got a ticket once for riding my bike through a boulevard stop. Radio car stopped me and tagged me. Big deal. But they're going to send me to San Quentin. Maybe you can give me the gas change. How old are you? What difference does that make? How old are you? You figure All right, you look like you're about 11 to me. That's what everybody thinks. Be 15 my next birthday. Don't kid us, son. It's the truth, 15. That's what I'll be, 15. When were you born? 1939, November 2nd. You're small for your age, aren't you? Why do you say that? Aren't you? It's got nothing to do with it, nothing at all. I can do anything any other kid can do. Anything. Don't you forget that. What's the matter with you? Is that a sore point with you? Huh? Your size. Is that a sore point? Nothing wrong with my size. Doctor says that I'm all right. Just that some people aren't meant to be as big as others, that's all. There's nothing wrong with me. Now, now, come on, son. What's your name? Now, look, you know we're going to find out. How are you going to find out? We will. Now, why don't you save us all a lot of time and tell us the truth here? It'd be better if you did. If I do tell you. You going to put it in the papers? What? I tell you, there are going to be a lot of reporters around. My name going to get in the papers? Not from us. Can't tell you, then. You mean if there's no reporters around, you aren't going to tell us your name? Is that it? That's the way it is. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Maybe that's the way it looks to you. Where do you live? Can't tell you that either. But you've got things all wrong, son. It isn't what you want to tell us. That's got nothing to do with this. You're going to tell us what we want to know sooner or later. Where are we going? Georgia Street. That's where the jail is. Why do you ask that? Because I want to know. Yeah, there's a jail there. Reporters? What? They're going to be reporters there. What is this thing with reporters and you? What's this all about? Reporters put your name in the papers, don't they? Sometimes. Well, you get the reporters all lined up. You get them from all the papers. You have them there, and I'll tell you all about it. The whole story. You just get the reporters and the photographers. Be sure about them, because I want some pictures, too. Well, look, let me get this straight. What? You say you aren't going to give us any information without the press being there. Is that right? That's the way it's going to be. Well, you got it wrong, boy. What? Doesn't make any difference who's there. You're going to come around. Yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. Twelve ten a.m. We got to Georgia Street Juvenile Bureau. Frank pulled the car into the side alley and we took the subject out of the back seat. Up this way, son. It's a seedy looking place. Yeah, well, it's been here a long time. Looks like a set out of a picture. Don't you worry about it, huh? You want to take him down the hall, Frank? I'll check with Hargrove. Yeah, come on, boy. Hi, Friday. Working kind of late, aren't you? Yeah, we are. I got the note from Simmons on the milk burglaries. Checked around the night watch. Nothing on it, so I didn't call you. I don't think you have to worry about it. I think we got the answer. Yeah? We just picked up a kid. We got him dead to rights in the market. Open bottle of milk right next to the cash register. Where is he now? Frank's got him down the hall. You think he's your boy? Yeah, it looks like it. Everything adds up. The entrance, what he tried to take, the milk. All along, seems to fit. You got that kind of a case. What are you worrying about? Just two things. Yeah? Who he is and why he did it. He won't tell you? No. He's got some big thing working about the press. Says he won't give us anything without reporters being there. Makes it rough, Joe. You know the policy. Yeah, I do. He won't let us help him. If he wants publicity, take me down. Introduce me as a reporter. No, it might do it. Won't do any harm to try. Let's go. Go ahead. Thanks. Who am I going to be? Well, tell him you said Hughes from the mirror, huh? Yeah, might as well be one of the good ones. Son, you wanted to talk to somebody from the papers. It's against the policy, but we swung it for you. This is Sid Hughes from the mirror. Hi. You the fellow that held that guy on the phone in Baltimore? Yeah. Great. I read all about it. You gonna write me up like that? I hope not, son. There were two men killed in that operation. I read all the stories. Everybody did. That's how I mean for you to write me up, with a picture. What makes you think you got it coming? You break into one store and try to steal a couple of cartons of cigarettes, that doesn't make the first page. One store? I got into 19 of them. 19 before they caught me. That's important, isn't it? That's a story. I don't know, it might be. A couple of things we better get straightened out here. First off, what's your name? 
Better get your notebook out. Be able to take all this down. Don't worry about it, son. You just answer the questions. I'll get it. Yeah. Okay. My name's Elroy Graham. That's E-L-R-O-Y-G-R-A-H-A-M. Yeah. How old are you? I told you once. Almost 15. You said you'd broken into 19 stores. Is that right? Yeah. 19. Might have made a more, but something went wrong tonight. Had trouble with the burglar alarm. Thought I'd turned it off. Bad mistake. He's still working. It wasn't for that. Guess it only takes one, though, huh, Mr. Hughes? Yeah, I guess so. You want to tell us why you did it? What? You had to have a reason for committing these robberies. You want to tell us what it was? Sure. Good reason. Real good. All right, tell us. Well, you see, I always had trouble at school. Never seemed to quite make it. All the guys liked me. They all did. All the girls do, too. Got girls calling me almost every night, asking me to take them to dances, stuff like that. I don't go much for stuff like that. You can understand, can't you, Mr. Hughes? Go ahead, all right. Well, they wanted me for all the teams, football, basketball, all the time asking me to play. But I figure if you want to get ahead in the world, you got to have a name, some place where you want to get. Figure out that. Work for it, and you're going to get there. Don't you find that true, Mr. Hughes? Go ahead. That's the way it was with me. All the time, turned down offers to be on some team. Telling some girl that I couldn't take her to a dance. Just didn't have the time. Somehow, I just couldn't make it. You can understand it. You've been around. You know all the successful kind of people. You write something, and a lot of people read it. You know what I mean. Don't you? Well, what's the matter? Something wrong? I'm trying to tell you what happened. I'm giving it to you straight. What's the matter? Now you want to tell us the truth, Elroy. What? I don't know why you're trying to sell us this line, boy. It isn't necessary. I don't know why you did what you did, but I do know you had a reason for it. Now, that's all we want to know, just the reason. You don't believe me? Afraid not. How about you? No, son, I don't. Mr. Hughes? No. Can't even lie right. <laughs> Can't even tell a lie good. All my life I've been trying to be like other kids. All the time getting beat up, getting left out of things. You know why? Do you know? Go ahead, son. <laughs> Big reason. Biggest reason in the world. Because <laughs> I'm almost 15 years old. I'm four feet seven inches tall. Four feet seven. Weight 97 pounds. That ain't very big, not big enough. All the time, other kids shoving you around. All the time, you're the joke. Gets to the time when you figure it's easy to laugh, too. Because if you don't, some kid's going to beat you up. Gets to the point where you don't care anymore. I used to clip out those coupons and send them in. Get the books back on how to build myself up. Worked at it. Didn't do nothing for me. I was still four feet seven and weighed 97 pounds. All the stuff I took didn't do no good. Still came out four feet seven, 97 pounds. All right, so you want to tell us about the burglaries? I did it to be big, that's why. I had the things other people wanted, cigarettes, candy. The other things kids wanted. I had all that stuff that the other kids wanted. <laughs> Made me important. Don't you see that? you got to understand it, Mr. Hughes. That's why I wanted my picture in the paper. That's why I wanted the story. So the kids would know that I'd done something big. So they know. <laughs> all right, son. It's going to be all right here. No, it isn't. Like everything else I tried to do, I loused it up. I didn't mean to steal, but it, it was the only thing to do. The only way I had. I wasn't there some other. No. No, there wasn't. All the time the other kids laughing. All the time talking. I just couldn't stand it anymore. I just couldn't. <laughs> Here you go. Thanks. You can understand it, can't you? It makes sense. What's that, son? Wasn't so much the kids saying I was little. Yeah. I didn't want them to think I was small. Twelve thirty-six a.m. We contacted the parents of the Graham boy and asked them to come down to the station. We talked to them for an hour and tried to fill them in. In view of the fact that the parents of the subject were responsible persons, the boy was booked for violation of Section Four Fifty-Nine P.C. delinquent, and he was released to his parents pending his hearing in juvenile court. Five days passed, and we heard nothing from the boy. On December 24th, Frank and I checked into the office. Friday? Yeah, Earl. Kid in the back wants to see you and Smith. Okay, thank you. 
Hi, Mr. Friday. Oh, hello, Elroy. What can we do for you? Well, I guess you think it's kind of funny. What's that? I want to tell you that I sure think it's good what you did for me. Helped me with that burglary thing the other night. Well, it isn't over yet, son. The court still has to make a decision on it. Yeah. But what you did to make me feel better. As far as I'm concerned, whatever the judge decides, I'll go along with it. I had a long talk with my folks. So we got it all talked out. All the way talked out. Well, that's good, son. We're glad of it, son. Maybe you guys won't like it. I mean, me knowing you such a short time and all. But, but I wanted to bring you these. Merry Christmas. Well, that's awful nice of you, all right, but it's necessary. I want to give them to you anyway. For what you did for me. Well, that's mighty nice of you, all right. Sure appreciate it. Couple of packages of cigarettes. Hope they're the kind you smoke. Yeah, son, they'll be fine. Thanks, son. Well, you guys around, huh? Yeah, sure, son. Just one more thing, Sergeant. Yeah, son? Just thought you'd like to know. Yeah, what's that? I didn't steal those. Elroy Merton Graham appeared before the juvenile court where he admitted the alleged burglaries. At this time, under the counsel of the judge of the juvenile court, the subject was placed under the care of the probation department for a period of three years, with the provision that his parents take him to a competent psychiatrist. You have just heard Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action, and starring Jack Webb, a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.